Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Today, this this week, um, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving. Uh, We celebrate this year in and year out. We fill ourselves up with turkey. We fill ourselves up with stuffing and potatoes and sweet potatoes and cranberry sauce. And we say thank you. We are are trying to be thankful. Um, And some people have trouble with the idea of being thankful uh, because in order to be thankful, you have to be thankful to someone, right? If if, If I give a present to Junior over here, and he says, thank you, he's, he's saying thank you to me, okay? And if we're, we're saying thank you, if we're, if we're giving thanksgiving, then that implies that we're thanking someone. Um, and the world out here, the culture, um, they, they, they uh, want to have this idea of thanksgiving, they want to be thankful, but they kind of have a problem with who are we thanking? Um, even even atheists may celebrate Thanksgiving, but who do they thank? Anyway, God has given us so many things to be thankful for. We we know who we are thanking when we thank God on Thanksgiving. Um, He has given us so much to be thankful for. He has taken us who were once his enemies and made us his children, a a part of his family. He's called us friends. He was once angry with us and he has brought us near. He has forgiven us of our sins. He died for us. He became a human being for us. All of those things that he has done for us should cause us to well up within ourselves Thanksgiving. Tonight we're going to be looking at a passage in Isaiah um, where Isaiah springs out in a song of thanksgiving. It sounds very similar to what you might read in the Psalms of of a, a psalm of thanksgiving. But here it's coming from Isaiah. And of course in the context... Um, in Isaiah chapter 6, you see his calling where Isaiah was, was called to go and preach to people who weren't going to listen to him. God told him, go preach, and it's not going to do any good. And Isaiah did this. And in chapter 7, we see that uh, God is telling Isaiah that there are Assyrians, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to wipe out Israel. But God says He's going to be faithful to His promises and He's going to give a sign that He's going to be faithful to His promises by having a virgin give birth. And in chapter 9 we read of one who would be God with us, Emmanuel, who was going to come and the government would be upon his shoulders. His name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. I don't know if I got them all in there. Uh, 
God was going to be faithful in spite of his judgment on Israel. And God tells Isaiah in chapter 11, just before what we're going to look at tonight, that there will come a day when a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, you have to understand a little bit about Bible history here. Jesse was David's father. And of course, um, David was promised that he would always have a son sitting on the throne. We can look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 where David is promised he would always have a son sitting on his throne. But as you follow the history of Israel and Judah, uh, at some point that tree of David, that tree of Jesse is cut down. It is leveled. The kingdom comes to an end. But God promises He will be faithful. He will fulfill His promise to David and a shoot will come forth like a stump. While the tree of the kingdom is cut off, this shoot, like, like whenever you, you cut down a tree and you come back a year later and you see there's these little branches that are just coming up out of it. That's what this shoot from the stump of Jesse was like. And this one who was coming was Jesus. He's the one who is talking about here. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. We read this description, we see Jesus. Now Isaiah, whenever he looks forward in prophecy, it's kind of like a mountain where there's these two mountaintops. One is in front of the other and the second one is a little bit taller than the other. So whenever Isaiah looks up, it's, it's as if the two mountaintops are melded together. That's what prophecy was like in the Old Testament. So Isaiah, as he was looking forward, he saw this about Jesus, this stump of Jesse who would come and some of it was the first time Jesus would come. And some of it is the second coming. And we look at um, verse 6 and it talks about the wolf shall lay down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand over the adder's den. We read about this, and I think what we think, what, 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 what we see here is a description of what that millennial kingdom will be like when Jesus returns a second time. And everything is become, becomes peaceful. Everything that's wrong with this world is finally set right. There'll be peace between man and man and man and even the animals. But here, later in chapter 11, we, saw, we, we see it says, In that day, the root of Jesse, I think this is talking about Jesus, who was the descendant of David, that king who would sit on David's throne forever. It says, The root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant that remains 
of His people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. Here, Isaiah prophesies there is a time when the Lord Himself will come and redeem His people a second time. What's this second time about? I was thinking back to Exodus. Whenever in Exodus, God's people were in slavery and He came down by you know, sending plagues and He delivered His people through Moses leading them out, into, out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea and that was the point where God saved His people. And here Isaiah is saying He's going to do this a second time. And the nations, it's going to affect the nations He will stand as a signal for the peoples. That word peoples, when we see it in the plural in the Bible, it's usually talking about ethnic groups. It's talking about nations. It's talking about the different people groups all over the world. This stump of Jesse, the root of Jesse, this Jesus, when He came, He opened the way for all who believe, whether Jew or Gentile, all who believe. And we can be thankful for that this Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know of anybody here that would be of Jewish ancestry. If you are, then let me know afterwards. But, you know, if we're all Gentiles, we would be out of luck if it were not for God's plan here to open this up and make Jesus a sign for the peoples. We can be thankful for that. That He included us. Well, here in chapter 12, which is what we're going to be looking at and spending most of our time on tonight, because of what Jesus, what, because of what Isaiah is prophesying that will happen when Jesus comes, he breaks out in song. He tells us that in that day we're going to sing for joy. We're going to give thanks to the Lord. Because of what he has done. Let's, uh, let's read Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the name, uh, sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have spoken to us and You have not left us in the dark. Lord, you have, you have come and you speak to us. Lord, speak to us now. Give us ears to hear from your word. 
Lord, be with me. Lord, I am a sinner. You were once angry with me. And your anger has been turned away and placed upon Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give me strength to preach your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. He has this part that he he repeats twice. He says, you will say in that day, in verse 1, And then again in verse 4, he says, And you will say in that day. What is the day he is talking about? I believe he is talking about the day in which Jesus comes, in which he comes and he he does everything that he did. The complete work of Jesus Christ. Whenever he came and he lived a sinless life, whenever he came and he, he was filled with the Spirit, as chapter 11 says, whenever he came and he preached the gospel to the poor, when he came and he did miracles and healings and all of these things, when he came and he died for us, when he rose again, Whenever he commanded that the gospel be preached to all nations. Isaiah says, you will say in that day. And what is it that we will say? Verse 1, second part says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For, your, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away. That is the first thing we can be thankful for. We are all sinners. We are all corrupt. We were born in sin. And God was justly angry with us. You might say, well, what about before we ever acted out and sinned? We were going to do that. And we did do that. Not one of us can say, well, why is God mad at me? We've all sinned. We've all broken God's law, offended a holy God who is infinitely holy. And some might wonder, why is something so small so significant to God? Why why is it so significant to God that I take a pencil at work? (laughs) Why is it so significant that I tell a little white lie? Because God is infinite in His holiness. And if God is infinite in His holiness, then our sins, though they may seem insignificant to us, are really infinite in their damage that they do. That's why it took an infinite cost in the life of Jesus, God's only Son. No other human being could have died in our place, but only the God-man, Jesus Christ, could pay the infinite cost for our sins. God was angry with us and His anger has been turned away. God's wrath was appeased. While we deserve God's wrath poured upon us, the cup of God's wrath, Jesus drank it all down to the dregs. Jesus took God's wrath for us. It was turned away. And now, 
The end of verse 1 says, that you might comfort me. We go from being God's enemies to His friends, to His children, and He comforts us. When we are hurting, He wraps His arms around us and He comforts us. He is our strength and our support. When we cannot keep going, when the world looks like it's falling apart, He is our comfort. We can be thankful for that. And then verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. We can say this. We can be thankful for this. Jesus is our salvation. We can be tempted to look at ourselves. We can be tempted to try to make ourselves right with God by doing all kinds of works. By beating our backs and doing all kinds of asceticism or or doing kinds of physical things to try to, to punish ourselves to be holy. That doesn't do a thing. We can try to pray so much to earn our salvation. We can try to go and do good works and help people and all those kinds of things, but that does not save us. Only God is our salvation. Only what He did on the cross is our salvation. We don't trust in our own works. We trust in what He did. The next line, I will trust and not be afraid. If it depended upon us, we would tremble. We should tremble. Because even those of us who are believers still struggle with sin. From time to time, things happen and we we need to keep fleeing to Him for grace. But if it depended upon us, we would be fearful. Instead, God is our salvation. Jesus is our salvation. We can trust in Him. Not look at ourselves. Look to Jesus alone for our salvation. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. We don't have the strength to keep from sinning. We don't have the strength. You try to just imagine whatever it is in your mind that you might struggle with. I'm not going to try to to, uh, uh, come up with different examples, but just imagine what is it that you struggle with? The Lord God is your strength. Not your own effort, not your own white-knuckling effort. It is the Lord God that is your strength. Your strength doesn't come from within you. It comes from without. It comes from Jesus giving you strength. The Lord God is your strength, my strength and my shield and he has and my song and he has become my salvation. Then verse 3 With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Jesus offers that we come by and drink. Like like Isaiah 55 later in this book, 
You know, come, whoever is thirsty, come, buy wine, buy milk, without money, without cost. He comes and it never runs out. The Lord here says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. He doesn't say cisterns. Where the rain comes and He fills up these cisterns and they they have a bottom to them and you, you can run out. But it's wells. They're, they're furnished with water from the ground up from the groundwater and it never runs dry. You know, I, I do notice it, it, it does take maybe a little bit of effort on our part here. Not to be saved, but to have our joy fill. You will with joy will draw water from the wells of salvation. God is our salvation, and we are filled with our joy when we reach down into the wells and we pull it out for ourselves. How do we do that? We open up God's Word and we read about what He has done for us in salvation. We read about what He has done for His people. We read about how He has been faithful to His promises. And over and over again, those wells will never run dry. We... We don't have enough to just go all through life without digging down into the well joyfully. It's not a burden, but joyfully we reach down into this salvation that was already accomplished by God. And it fills our joy. And then verse 4, And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Now, this is very similar to what he said in verse 1, but it is slightly different. He said, and you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. And here he says, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. It goes from being a statement of what we will do to a, a command declaring, or not declaring, but commanding those around us to give thanks to the Lord. The logic here is when we have recognized what God has done for us, the joy and peace He gives us, when we recognize we stand by what He has done and not having to trust in ourselves, then that ought to overflow with evangelism, with telling others, trust in the Lord, with telling others, give thanks to the Lord. You know, thanksgiving is really at the root of our sin problem. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it tells us that we all know there's a God, but we refuse to acknowledge Him as God or give Him thanks. So, when we have been filled with joy, when we have been filled by knowing, with, with this thanksgiving that up, up wells from from within us because of knowing what God has done for us, then we are then able to say to others, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Romans chapter 9 tells us, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We tell others, Give thanks to the Lord. You're not doing it now. Do it. Give thanks to the Lord. Everything that you have, everything that you are, everything you've ever been given has been given to you by the Lord. Give thanks and call upon His name. 
You are lost, dying in your sins. You may not even know it, but you need to call out to the Lord. Make known His deeds among the people. Proclaim Him. Proclaim that His name is exalted. We want to make known His name through all the earth. Among the peoples, it says here. Proclaim that His name is exalted. The last thing Jesus told us to do before He ascended into heaven, we call it the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. That is our calling. That is our mission. We are to make disciples of all nations. We are to do what this verse says, make known His deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Jesus Christ's name is exalted above every other name. And no one will be saved apart from trusting in the name of Jesus. So we go with this message about what God has done in Christ. Not a message of self-help. Not a message of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But a message of Jesus paid it all. And this ought to cause us do what it says in verses 5 and 6. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known through all the earth. Not only here in Panama, not only here in Vaughn County, not only here in Illinois, but we need to make this name known through all the earth. Now, we haven't yet constituted as a church, but we are cooperating with uh, within our denomination. We send 7% of anything that's given to our, what's called our cooperative program. And in our cooperative program, uh, funds things that happen here in Illinois, other church plants as well as us. We have had help from them. We don't get much from them, but we have had help. The fact that uh, they paid for our banner when we first started, and they, they, that, that projector is from them. So, yeah, that helps with things like that. But it also is given so that we can send missionaries along with other believers to the ends of the earth. We're able to cooperate and be able to send missionaries all over the world because of our giving. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. We ought to sing praises. And then shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The word for shout, I mean, it's kind of got a broad range. You could literally say, scream and shout for joy. O inhabitants of Zion, for great in, the, in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We ought to sing, shout with joy. When we meet together, when we worship, we ought not to just sit like a bump on a log, but we ought to be moved with feeling, with the when we read the words of what we say, what we sing together, when we read the words of the scripture, we that ought to move us 
We ought to, it ought to fill us with joy. Especially when we recognize that great in our midst is the Holy One of Israel. He is here with us. This One who created all things, the One who became a human being and died in our place, He is here with us. We saw in Revelation, He walks among the lampstands. He walks among His churches. He's in control. He is here with us. It ought to cause us to praise Him, to know what He has done, that He is our comfort, that He is our salvation, and that He's here. So our closing exhortation is give thanks to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.